If you have your Bible, you can turn. We'll be putting these verses on the screen also, but I want to begin a series today and just try to introduce it to you. We've been dealing since the beginning of the year um, on being in Christ and then having Christ formed in us and looking at the way that happens and transpires. And, um, you know, last, last week I, I, I dealt with something that I felt like needed to be dealt with in the proper starting point. And, and you know, I don't want to make, um, I'm not trying to make any big deal about any of our inadequacies, but, but you know, one of the things that has happened through the years in Christianity is that we've kind of missed much of the purpose that Christ came to the earth for. He did come to redeem us. I don't take anything away from that. He did come to reverse the curse. He did come to pay the price for sins. And he, he came as Savior. But there's so much more to Christ coming to earth from the foundation of the world in the heart of God than just coming to correct what was wrong. The illustration I used last week about the father having a purpose to take the son where, somewhere and do something and accomplishing it, and after he gets the son all ready and gets him ready to go, the little boy goes out and gets in a mud puddle, and now all of a sudden the father has to clean him up in order to take him where they're going. And the story of us coming to the earth is similar to that of mankind coming to earth and Adam sinning and getting dirty and Christ came to do that, but there's still purpose in why he wanted to restore us. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, he put man here and gave man a commission to accomplish while he was here on planet earth. And uh, in, in trying to uh, express this. I want I want you to just hear me because there's 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 a lot involved in this that uh, um, we don't fully grasp in trying to understand uh, what training for reigning and that's that's what's what I'm really going to be teaching on is how we are in training to reign here. You know Jesus came. And he began as a baby in a manger, but he had to grow up and he had to learn some things in the progression before he sat down at the right hand of the Father. When you look at the life of Jesus and you understand that he was born in Bethlehem and he was a babe and he grew up, he matured. He had an earthly ministry for three and a half years. He was crucified on the cross. He was resurrected. He then ascended to the right hand of the Father. And there's a journey in those 33 years that we look at and understand in, in this life of Christ. This series, we're going to take a, a type and shadow of an Old Testament character by the name of David who came on the scene and David went through this 
process to become the king, which brings the you know King David, which which brings a, a concept and an understanding of what Jesus went through uh, in a type and a shadow of the process of becoming uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But there were stages of development throughout David's life that we're going to try to parallel and I hopefully bring it to an analogy uh, that will give us some insight and understanding of the process that we are going through. We're born again. But if you understand the book of Ephesians, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that's guys like me, to mature saints until the saints become the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's one thing to get born again, and I'm not minimizing the born again process. But you get born again for a purpose here on planet earth. Jesus left heaven to come to earth. The Holy Spirit left the heavenly dimension to manifest in the earthly dimension and take up residence on the inside of human beings where he lives and abides and we now are the house of God, we're the temple of God, we're the body of Christ. All of these things we know, but we don't totally understand and comprehend how we are to walk in these things. I'll begin today with Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 6, and it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now notice, of the increase of his government, and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David, one of the reasons we're choosing David, and over his kingdom, kingdom of God, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forever forward, even forever, and then it closes with the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What is the zeal of the Lord supposed to accomplish in this setting? Now, in the context of this, the prophet Isaiah is speaking of prophetically Jesus. This is a passage about unto us a son is born, his child is given, and it's a prophetic passage by the prophet Isaiah, prophetically speaking of Jesus. I'm going to repeat this several times because I want to get this in your thinking. Jesus' destiny was to reign on the earth. Let me hear me say it. He left heaven 
to come to the earth to be king of kings, lord of lords, have absolute total authority on planet earth. Now listen to me. Christ was incarnated in the flesh. You know, how many of you know sometimes much learning makes you mad, crazy? There's times I want to, I make a statement, then I go back and go through everything, and if I start chasing all of the rabbits, but, but my, my point is, Adam was not in Christ. Adam was in Adam. Adam became a living soul, but Adam was not everything that God wanted. God predestined to have a body for Christ to be born in. Y'all do know we believe in immaculate conception, that Jesus, God came down and, and, and Mary conceived and bore a son unto us, a child who was born, his name's Jesus. And that was so that the body of Christ, the people on planet earth could get in Christ. I just, I just want to say there's more to the story than just man sinned and he fixed sin, now we get to go to heaven. A lot more to the story. Jesus came to the earth to reign on planet earth. He was incarnated in the flesh that he might become the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus was born to reign. Matter of fact, why don't you just say that with me right now? You need to hear yourself say this. Say, Jesus, Jesus. was born, born to reign. To be king was the purpose of his birth. Now, I'm saying that because, again, we have all these things in our minds. We've been indoctrinated in church and religion, and we have all these ideologies. But what I'm saying to you is this. You can't leave Jesus in a manger at Christmas. You understand that? Why? He was a baby, That's, but you can't leave him there. You can't leave Jesus on a cross at Calvary at Easter. It's a part of it. We understand it, but you can't leave him there. Why? He didn't stay at those places. Let me, let me show you something here in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. We talk about the Christmas story. Even the wise men who came to find the Christ child, who were they looking for? Him who was destined to be king of the Jews. In Matthew 2, verse 2, it says, here's what these wise men came. He who is, where is he? who has been born king of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So that's why I'm saying Jesus was born to reign. Are you ready for some good news? 
Didn't need that lid. You think I'll need it later? You going to blow in my drink or something here? Who are we striving to be like as born-again believers? Whose family are we in? Who's our elder brother? Whose body are we a part of? See, it's amazing to me that we say Jesus came to reign, and I want you to get that because you need to believe that and understand it. But here's what's amazing to me. We are supposed to rule and reign with him. That's, that's, that's what people have a hard time swallowing sometimes. And people don't grasp that because as long as they see themselves as a sinner saved by grace, as long as they just see themselves trying to go to heaven, they don't understand that if Jesus came to reign on earth and we're to be like him, then we were placed here to reign with him. Look at Romans with me, if you would, the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 17. I'm just trying to give you a little bigger perspective here. It says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned. Who's that talking about there? Adam. If by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more... Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, for by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. The righteousness that we have is his righteousness. It's not my righteousness. I don't stand before God in my righteousness. I stand before God in his righteousness because Jesus paid that. So those of us who have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will what? In life, this life, through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, We are supposed to reign in life through Jesus. Where is Jesus Christ? In us. You all do understand, and and, and because we talk about this, but we don't always get it. You do understand that the Apostle Paul, when he said, I, was, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. You realize we just finished a series that is about us being in Christ, 
but what God is doing until Christ is formed in us because when Christ is beginning formed in us and we begin to operate and function as the body of Christ, we become the church that Jesus is building to operate and function in complete authority and rule and reign with him right here on planet earth. Pastor, I've been, I haven't been taught about that. I, I, I don't know about all this Jesus stuff you're talking about. I just want to go to heaven, and I had to take Jesus because that's the only way I could get there. You understand that's the mindset we operate in from so many times. God has a purpose and a plan for you and I to be on planet Earth. I don't need to chase that rabbit any further. Just leave it there. I'm trying to say Christ is being formed in us so that we understand we will reign in life not through Stuart Farley through Christ. You understand? He lives in us and we will let him rule. Now, before I go any further in this lesson today, I, 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 I want to just say this. All authority all authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Jesus has at this moment all authority. Pastor, what are you saying? Well, again, it's inadequate, and we've tried our best to teach it. We have a lot of believers who believe they've been given authority in Jesus, and at times they operate in their authority, not the authority of Jesus. All authority has been given to him. I have authority, therefore I can walk in this authority. I can do what I want in this authority. And, and listen to me. No believer has authority in this earth except through Jesus Christ. Now hear me. God is looking for people who will do what Adam would not do. Adam disobeyed the Lord and forfeited, forfeited his stewardship over creation. Satan didn't have any authority on planet earth. God made man and put him here and gave him 
authority over all the earth and Satan come and the authority that Satan has, man gave it to him. Adam did. Satan operates in Adam's authority. Let me help you with something. Adam's dead. You're Adam's dead. You're not in Adam. You're in Christ. And Satan doesn't have authority over Christ in you. That's why there's no fear of death. There's no fear of death because all Satan can do is destroy my body. He cannot separate my soul and spirit from God. I step out of this body and I step very into the presence of God in a spiritual dimension where he is. That's why there's no fear. There should be no fear of death. Why? Because of what Jesus has provided for us. Now, Adam disobeyed, forfeited his stewardship over the earth. He refused to act on God's word and subdue the devil. He failed to exercise the dominion that God has assigned to him. Consequently, because he wouldn't do that, he lost his ruling position. Now, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and we trust and believe in Jesus, the authority and the power that was lost through Adam's transgression is restored to us. Hebrews chapter 2. Let me read you some scripture. Hebrews 2 verse 6 says, but one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Two different people he's talking about. Man and then, or the son of man. Do you all know who the son of man? That was Jesus, what he called himself. Or the son of man that you take care of him. You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him, man, the Son of Man, over the works of your hands, notice, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we do not yet see all things put under him. You know why we don't yet see all things put under him? Because we still have a body of believers who are part of the body of Christ who are walking, allowing Satan to have dominion and authority and doing what Adam wouldn't do to put the devil in his place. And Jesus is going to sit at the right hand of the Father until all of his enemies are made his footstool. Now, hear me say it. At this moment, this very moment, at 10, 57 and a half, 58, on Sunday morning, this moment, right now, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting 
for all of his enemies to be put under his feet. Obviously, if we are the body of Christ, we are his feet. We are his hands. We are his arms. We are his torso. And that means that he's looking for his body to walk in authority with him on planet earth. Y'all remember that song? Did y'all ever sing that song growing up? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Did y'all ever sing that? If I was a songwriter, I'd write a new version. When we all act like Jesus, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Huh? When we all grow up and mature and quit being a bunch of Christian babies. I need somebody that's got a little bit more poetic gender than I do. Huh? <laughs> now follow me here for a moment. God intends... At this moment, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and God intends for the body of Christ to reign under Jesus' headship. See, most of us has grown up in churches where all of that was pushed to the future. Oh, Pastor Farley, I know when we go to heaven and after we go to heaven and then when Jesus comes back, Jesus will do all this. <clears throat> when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. So let me ask you a question. Can you see? Can you see Jesus? Where do you see I'm looking at him. Why? You're his body. He lives in you. See, we're not supposed to judge anybody after the flesh anymore after Christ comes. We're supposed to see them by the Spirit. And we're supposed to see beyond their fleshly behavior and see Jesus. We're not looking in them. We, 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 we look in a mirror and we should be beholding the Glory of the Lord. I've, I've taught all that. So when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Why? Because we'll be ruling and reigning with Him. Is that okay? Yes. That's Farley, do you really believe all that stuff you preach or are you just preaching? I believe it. Watch this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6, look at verse 1. Dare any of you 
having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. This is Paul talking to a carnal church at Corinth, and he says, you guys shouldn't be going to unlawful people, unrighteous people. Then he says, look at this. Do you not know that the saints will what? Will what? The saints will judge the world. And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? He's not done yet. Watch this. Do you not know that we shall judge angels? Now look at this last statement. Saints. How many of you are saints? If you accepted Christ, you're saints. You're going to judge the world. But you're also going to judge angels. And look at this last statement. How much more, everybody say more, things that pertain to this life. Can I tell you the biggest cop-out Christians have? Biggest cop-out Christians have. Oh, I guess we won't know that till we get to heaven. I want to know it now. I want to know how to reign in life now. I want to walk in the victory that we have in Christ today. Paul is saying here in Corinthians, you are children of God. You are destined to judge the world and angels. Now think about this. Jesus was born to reign, and we are born again to reign with him. Go to Revelations chapter 2, verse 26. And he who overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel, as I also have received from my Father. Now, if you've got a red letter edition, which I do, that I read from, when it's red letters, Jesus is speaking. This is what Jesus said. He's saying, if you overcome, you're going to walk in a rulership that overcomes, and you're going to be an overcomer. And I believe that Jesus intends for every believer to overcome. Let me ask you all a question. Do you believe he wants you to be victorious? Why do we accept defeat so easy? He wants us to be victorious. He has ordained us 
all of us, to be more than conquerors. Now, you know, we've used these phrases so much and we make them as phrases, but I wonder how much sometimes we really believe them. Look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Do you realize that the baby that was born in a manger had a purpose and a work to accomplish here on the earth and in order for him to accomplish everything that he had to accomplish, he had to go through that whole process of accomplishing everything and doing what the Father called him to do and overcome that so that he could sit at the right hand of the Father. Listen to me. He wasn't just born and then seated. We think because we're born, we were made to sit together, but sitting at the right hand of the Father is in the hands of Jesus, and it's to him who overcomes. And again, because we don't comprehend or understand or know how to walk in it, we always push it out to the future. Well, Pastor Farley, he's talking about when we get to heaven. Here's how I want my disciples to pray. You remember Jesus telling, looking at his disciples in Matthew, here's how I want you, I want you to pray. Let's pray it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So why would we reverse his prayer and want to go to heaven so that we do his will here when he says we're supposed to be praying, thy will be done on earth. Who's going to do his will on earth? His saints, you and I, his body. So, Pastor Farley, does that mean I have to Overcome? I think you got it. I think you're getting it. Now, how much authority has been given to Jesus on the earth? I'm talking about all authority. I'm talking about us ruling and reigning with him. I'm talking about all these things. But before you run out the door today with all that authority and power and attempt to subdue the whole world, we have to understand that there are some principles, some principles from the Word of God concerning ruling and reigning. Jesus had to do some things in order for him to rule and reign and sit at the right hand of the Father. 
we're going to have to learn what it means to reign. Jesus had a journey that he had to make from Bethlehem where he was born to receive the place of seating at the right hand of the Father. He was not born on a throne. He was born in a manger. Jesus was. Jesus was born in a manger. And he was destined to be seated on a throne. There was a process that carried Jesus into all authority and the process that Jesus had to walk through to get to that place of authority to be seated by the Father at the right hand of the Father, we have to walk through that process too. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm not talking about eternal life. I'm not talking about whether it's a finished work. It's a finished work. It's a done deal. But if we're going to rule and reign on earth with him, we can't continue operating the way we want to operate. What did Jesus have to do to get to the throne? What's, what was the big job he did? A couple things I would point out. Number one, he had to lay his life down for others. See, we, we struggle a little bit with that because we want to live for ourselves. Another thing that Jesus had to do to get there was he knew that he had to prepare and accomplish everything he needed to accomplish so that the Holy Spirit could come and take up residence and he could then be ascended. If he, if he wasn't willing to give up his life on earth for the Holy Spirit. See, the disciples and all the people around him were saying, Father, you got to stay with us. We don't want you to go. We don't want you to leave. He says, it's, it's, it's expedient for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the comfort, the Holy Spirit will not come. He's going to live inside of you, so I've got to be willing to Get out of the way. So, legally, a believer begins to rule and reign in Christ at the moment of salvation. I don't struggle with that. Legally, you have that right. Experientially is a process. You got to experience things. Jesus was born a king. He was a king. But he had to go through a process on earth. Y'all do realize God sent Jesus here and he fulfilled, he meticulously fulfilled everything in scripture that he needed to fulfill. He didn't fulfill everything that scripture put him here to fulfill so that he could go to heaven. He fulfilled everything that he was supposed to fulfill while he was here on earth so he could be and reign as he needed to reign. You're not doing what you do. The works that God prepared beforehand are works of victory and overcoming for us. They have nothing to do with our salvation, but they have everything to do with us becoming the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The body of Christ has to grow up and mature. So what are you saying? I'm saying the body of Christ, every Christian, through steps of maturity and building character skills on the inside of us, 
We've got to grow up in a relationship with the Father. We've got to understand what it means for Christ to be in us and live in us. If we're going to rule and reign on planet Earth, it's not going to be because of how much knowledge we have. It's how much understanding we have that Christ is in us wanting to use us, and Jesus did it. He said, I always do those things that please my Father. Jesus said, I don't ever do what I want to do. I always do what the Father shows me to do. The Father wants to have a relationship with you and begin showing you things he wants you to do. How exciting is it? How exciting is it to live our life in such a way that you see God just doing little intricate things of being able to encourage somebody or do something for somebody or help somebody and show the love of Christ to somebody and you realize God was involved bringing that person to you and doing what, what needs to be done. We kind of saw that the other day at lunch, didn't we, Rod? Yeah. He brought a book for me to read. We were having lunch. He brought a book for me to read. And I picked it up and looked at it, and I said, you already gave me this. I'm reading it. Oh, well, I'll give this, this copy to Dave. Dave, you won't get your copy. Because we got a waiter that came along who wanted to know about that book. Well, do you think God, he may not even read that book? No, people that think like you think, they don't ever have anything good happen to them. They always think the devil wins. I believe he's going to go home, pick it up, and God's going to get a hold of the guy's life. Why? Because that's the way God works. It's amazing how many times in little things God does things. If we would just watch him live through us. I, you know, but religion... Religion wants it to make Christianity and serving God this big spooky spiritual thing. Y'all know that? Years ago, I, I know this Jesus Revolution movie's out and it's great and I'm, I'm glad, but you, you know, me and Louie was in that revolution. <laughs> we went to Washington. We did all kinds of things back in those days. You know, y'all gotta understand, I was a hippie. Y'all understand, huh? Yeah, we met Jesus in Washington, D.C. Mad because we was on a bus using gasoline, right? <laughs> See, I got talking about all that and forgot what I was going to say. <clears throat> but it's amazing the little intricate things that God wants to be involved in in our lives. My greatest fear of what's going on on college campuses is all of the great smart preachers in the world start trying to straighten out all those kids who are having an encounter with God. Get out of the way and shut up. I had an encounter with God, and you know what? It was pretty goofy. But guess who walked with me through every step of the way? Y'all know who? Jesus did. God did. The Holy Spirit did. He never left me nor forsook me. Oh, there's a lot of Christians thought, that Farley boy's pretty weird. 
I had a 1968 GTO with a big bullhorn speaker on it, a little PA system in it, and I'd drive around playing Sammy Hall music. I said something about this last Wednesday night, and somebody said, who was Sammy Hall? Well, he was just a contemporary Christian singer at that time. I'd play Sammy Hall music and ride up and down the street. I'd, I, I went up to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. was up there riding around. There was a bunch of kids out there at a lake, and I sat there and just cranked that thing up, and they out there started dancing. When they got to dancing and looking around, I jumped out and had a microphone started preaching. Yeah, I was crazy. You understand that? Oh, I, I'm Reverend Farley can't do that these days. But old Stuart could in those days. Baptized two of them in that lake. Why? Well, just the way God would work. What do you say? You know, right now I can't remember whether I had them give their life to Christ or whether I had Christ come into their life because I believe it probably different then than I did now. It don't really matter. But they got dumped. <laughs> and it was encouraging. Now, We've got to grow up. We've got to mature in the body of Christ. We've got to have character. And he wants to give us more and more ruling responsibility. Now, I want you to notice how I'm saying that because through this series you'll see it. Ruling with Christ is about responsibility. See, a lot of people want authority with God. A lot of people want. You get up and preach on authority and people say, man, I got authority. Let's go out and they go out and they start taking authority over things they have no authority over whatsoever. Authority only stems out of responsibility. See, I'm not responsible for everything that just goes right at this church. I'm responsible for everything that goes wrong at this church. If I'm not willing to accept the responsibility for what's wrong, I'll never have authority in what's right. Because authority only stems out of responsibility. Now, what we're going to do in this series... I'm just trying to give you an introduction today, and I don't want to keep you too long. One of the Old Testament saints who passed through these stages that we're going to talk about, stages of development, and submitted his life to in each one of these stages was David. How many of you realize David wasn't perfect? But the New Testament is clear if you go, to, go and read it. David had a heart after God. God's after your heart. You, you know who he replaced as king? Saul. Saul lived to make everybody happy and please the people. David came along and lived his life to please God. He didn't care. He didn't really give a rip what people thought. He would dance before the Lord and he would do things. He made some major blunders, but he wanted to please God. The church has got to come to that place where we're willing to follow an example that David had. Now, 
In this series, over the next few weeks, what we plan on doing is talking about four places where David lived. He lived at Bethlehem, he lived at Adullam, in Adullam's cave, he lived at Hebron, and he lived at Zion. And each of those places represent a specific lesson that we as believers must learn if we're going to rule and reign with Christ. Each one of these steps are important. Each lesson that we will see in this will be powerful. We're going to be looking at the life of David as a type of Christ. He doesn't go instantly to Zion. He has some places to go. Zion is the place of ruling of, of, and reigning. But here's what, what I'm after. Here's what we're after in this series. The church... The body of Christ has to grow up in their spiritual lifestyle. I've been in ministry for 40 some years and all my ministry I've been focused on maturing believers. And it's exciting because I really believe it's time that God's about to bring us into some mature things. Now, the lifestyle that I'm talking about is what I believe to be the very same lifestyle that Jesus taught his disciples. And I think all of us are going to step into a higher understanding and comprehension of what it means for Christ to be formed in us. I'm in Christ, but I want Christ to be formed in us. God never intended for you to be in this earth struggling through, through defeat and despair. And I believe that God is preparing a group of people right now on planet earth for kingdom reigning. I'll say this and I'll close. Four, four areas, four stages that we're going to look at Bethlehem is going to be faithful in natural things. Faithful in natural things. Let me just real quick say it like this. <clears throat> Do you think God is concerned about natural things? Huh? I mean, let me ask you, should you brush your teeth and comb your hair and put on deodorant? Huh? You know, people who don't brush their hair or brush their teeth or put on deodorant, I struggle when they witness to me <laughs> about the victory they have in the Lord. Okay? There's just little things we're going to talk about, faithful in natural things. We're going to talk about faithful in need. Do you realize just because you have needs in your life doesn't mean that you're still not faithful to believing that the Word of God is true and that you're an overcomer and that you can get through? Every need there is, we all have needs and there's needs at different levels, different places and different times. You need certain things every day. You've got to be faithful in need. Then we're going to talk about faithful in relationships. That's Hebron. And we're going to have to learn 
faithful in natural things, faithful in need, and faithful in relationships before we ever get to faithful in ruling. I'll tell this. Travis could tell it better than me. Travis was here one day, and I don't really know what he's talking about because I don't see me in the view that he sees me, but Travis's story is that I was upset and angry and going around like a bull or something, doing something, and come through there, and I embarrassed him. You know, Mr. Sweet, wonderful, nice guy, Travis. I embarrassed him, and he looked at Ann, and he said, I wish Dad wouldn't act like that. And she said, now, honey, your daddy is at a place where he can be who he is and he has feelings and emotions just like everybody else. Don't you worry about your daddy. She defended me to the hill. If somebody was mad at me, I told them they had to see Ann and Shirley before they could talk to me. <laughs> time they got to me, they were calmed down. We've got to learn what it means to be faithful in relationships. If you're a child of God, you're my brother and my sister in Christ. We're part of the family of God. We've got to learn how to get through stuff. Right? we got some stuff to learn because we're going to rule and reign with it. Amen? Look at somebody right now and say, I think you're going to get it. Tell them, I think you're going to get it. Becky, you're going to get it. Y'all hear me say this? I know I need it. You know why? I want Christ formed in us. I've got to want Christ as much in you as I want him in me. But I can't form him in you. Only the Holy Spirit can. So I've got to maintain a relationship with the Holy Spirit and with you so they both can work in us. Stand with me. Could, could we just put Romans 5.17 back up there? I want to read that one more time. Romans 5.17. Let's read it one more time. I want you to see this. For if by one man's offense, Adam, death reigned through that one, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. If you and I have accepted Christ, we're going to reign. We're going to rule with him. I don't want to be like Adam. I want to be like Christ. 
Father, I just pray for this body today, for this group of saints. Lord, this is the saints of God on earth. Lord, you have given the saints the authority to judge the nations, to judge situations. You have given us the authority to reign in life and to have victory over everything going on. So, Father, show us what we've got to do to be victorious, to be overcomers, to be absolute conquerors. Through Jesus Christ, we give you this glory and honor and prayer now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our altar workers to come. If you're here today and you need prayer for anything, we want to pray with you. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior and you want to accept Christ, invite him into your life, come and somebody will pray with you and for you. We just want you to understand we love you, we accept you, and there's nothing you'll ever do we won't forgive you for. Amen? Amen. I love you. God bless you. Thanks for...